Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This is going to be a bonus episode, and I'm going to talk about the SBC convention. There were a lot of disturbing things that went on the last few days, and I want to talk about it. So let's go ahead and pray, ask for the Lord's help, and we'll get right into it. Father, we just thank you for your grace that's upon us right now. Lord, we lift up this denomination to you. I ask that you would bring correction. Father, I pray that there would be revival within the denomination. I pray that they would have courage to do the right things, even though they just did a whole lot of wrong things. I pray that they would have their eyes open. God, help me to speak clearly to those who are curious about what went on, and then help me to speak accurately. I don't want to malign or twist any of these events. I want to say them as plainly and as accurately as possible and accurately report what went on. I trust God that you're going to help. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, what I'm going to do is go ahead and just talk through, point by point, a post that I had made a couple days ago upon coming home from the convention. I went down on Tuesday from the morning to the evening and had several things that were just running through my mind that I put down on paper that were disturbing about that day. And then I want to just talk about each one of these points. So point number one, Lifeway tried to stop publication of all homeschool materials. So there was a group of messengers, there was one in particular that stood up and spoke against the Lifeway report. Lifeway was giving the report, and if you've not been to the Southern Baptist Convention or if you're not familiar with the denomination, once a year there is a convention for all the denomination where messengers from each church can come and hear the reports about what the denomination has done with the previously approved budget from the year before and that you hear reports from each of the seminaries, each of the entity heads. And Lifeway, upon giving their report, it was it was noticed that they were marking out all and stopping publication of all and any of the homeschool material. Now, it was pretty alarming based on the last year and a half where so many families went home and had to, had to start homeschooling. And it's alarming because so many states, just state after state after state in the public school system, are just so horrifically twisted and evil and training and indoctrinating our children away from the faith. We have proselytizing happening, and it's not happening from the church to the world. It's happening from the world to the church. It's happening from governments, state by state, to our children. And the statistics, it's just plain and clear. There really is no argument that public school systems do a whole lot better evangelizing our children than our church is doing and our families are doing. It's an alarming rate that our children are walking away from the faith. And I'm speaking our children about just evangelicals in general, but more specifically Southern Baptists. There was a report that came out that 12 to 17 year olds are being converted and baptized at a terrible rate. I mean, just it's just a massive decline. And it's like there's no wisdom or prudence at all from the denomination to understand, oh my gosh, we got to give more and more power to the home. We have to value the home. We have to value the father in the home and the mother in the home. We have to value the, the dynamics of that family unit and help fathers shepherd their families well. We got to give mothers the ability to to do homeschooling in an effective manner. And so they didn't even they didn't even consider that and they just nixed all homeschool curriculum. So that was very, very disappointing. Thankfully a messenger stepped up and stopped that. And from what I know, the curriculum is going to continue to be published based on the messengers pushing back. So that was a very good thing for the messengers. 
Second, they said nothing against sending our kids to public schools. Not one word. In Illinois, we're going to be teaching children. It's already happening in Chicago, but as of 2025, children down to the age of kindergarten are going to be hearing that gay sex is good and that gender is fluid. It's already happening in Chicago. They're going to get manuals on, on evil, twisted sexuality, and this is happening in our public schools. Not a single word was mentioned about taking our kids out of public schools or alternative schooling to combat the problem that children are walking away from the faith. Number three, even with doomsday statistics that ask for even more money from the churches to go to the cooperative program. Now, this, this would happen nowhere else and no other organization, but for some reason... And one of the things you need to understand about, and I'll explain this more a little bit later, one of the things you need to understand is that the Southern Baptists in their argumentation have adopted the argumentation of the woke world, of clown world. When they present something, it's emotional appeal. It's, it's not data, facts, reason, logic, prudence from the scriptures, biblical principles, a biblical text. It's, it's an emotional appeal, rah-rah kind of thing. Now, this is seen in the cooperative program. Ronnie Floyd got up. And many others were, were getting up and, and saying how baptisms are down, things are down, things are looking bad, but we should just keep giving more money. We have been giving more money, more and more and more money. And our church is one example of the 40% of churches in the SBC that have not given to the cooperative program. And we stopped giving to the cooperative program because we didn't want any money whatsoever going to the ERLC. Well, even though there's 40% of churches throughout the SBC that are just like us, not giving to the cooperative program. Ronnie Floyd making it made an appeal to give even more to the cooperative program, even though these reports are showing that we're giving more and more money with worse and worse results. So why not step back and ask, huh, maybe because we've not been valuing the home, maybe because we're sending people after college, according to J.D. Greer, wanting to send people away from college rather than start a family and start young. We're telling people to go and, and before you give two years to your career, give two years to the mission. And Okay, that could be good, but why not go ahead and just get married and start a family and start investing in your children? So give more money to the cooperative program and look how we're squandering your money, basically. That was disturbing. Why would we give more money when we get these charts and graphs showing how much this money is being squandered? And as, as a side note, Randy Adams, who is a candidate for president, published a, a little publication that were, was being handed out in front of the convention center that was showing all the financial impropriety that's been happening in the SBC. And if you can get your hands on that Randy Adams magazine, you really need to read through it. It is not simply a slam magazine. It is asking real questions with dollars and uh, cents and results put together with it that's so compelling. Here's one compelling argument. From 2000 to 2010, there were more churches planted by NAM than there have been since Kevin Uzel got there in 2010. So from 2010 to 2020, the Southern Baptist Convention planted less churches than the 10 years previous. However, they have spent $407 million more over that decade than they did from 2000 to 2010. And we've planted less churches. And we have bought, with North American Mission Board money, breweries, houses for church planters and churches and spent millions of dollars that we can't get any answers for. Kevin Azell would not even answer a messenger who asked to see the salary structures of the North American Mission Board, asked for some sort of financial transparency that we're supposed to have, and it was not given from the stage, and nobody even seemed to care that that was not answered. It should have been an uproar. We need answers for that. 
Okay, number four, they could not even amend a resolution from women who are victims of the abortion industry to women who have committed the sin of abortion. This was atrocious. There was two amendments, two resolutions about condemning abortion. In this first one, about the Hyde Amendment, in the very end of the resolution, and how this works is resolutions that are non-binding are given by messengers, given to the resolutions committee, and then the resolutions committee decides whether or not they're going to breathe them to the floor to be discussed and voted, affirmed, or negative, adopted or not adopted by the messengers, which are individual people that come from local churches. There were four messengers from our church that went. And so the, the one messenger comes up, and when you present a resolution, you have the mic that's open, and you can either amend the resolution, or you can speak to the affirmative or the negative. And a gentleman stepped up, and he just said, uh, "We need. can we please remove the word women who are victims of the abortion industry to pray, care for, love women and the men who have enabled them who have committed the sin of abortion that they would repent and find forgiveness in Jesus. He didn't, in the amendment, even say the word murder, which he could have and probably should have, and he did later. I kid you not, the woman started crying from the stage and did not respond and said, until you've been there working with women who have, and went on this big emotional rant. She had no business being on the stage, and it was absolutely horrendous. The room turned on this guy, for one, as if he was being evil. He even said love and care for. Um, and if you're going to have women presenters, which is not a bad thing for any kind of resolution, you cannot get a woman who cannot control her emotions up on the stage. And just like a man later, well, I'll, I'll say, uh, who was up there and couldn't control his emotions to present this because you don't want manipulation of the crowd. And that's exactly what happened. It was emotional manipulation from a woman who should not have been up there. And we could not even pass a resolution that called abortion sin. We had to call the women the victims of abortion, the very women who have killed and murdered the actual victims, which are the babies, for goodness sake. We wouldn't call a woman who threw her child in front of a bus to save her own life a victim. We wouldn't call a woman who killed her five-year-old child a victim. We would call the child the victim, and we would say, you need to repent of your gross sin. And that's what should happen with the sin of abortion as well. It was very, very sad. Number five, the Baptist Convention could not verbally condemn CRT from the stage. Resolution 2 was presented to talk about the sufficiency of Scripture in regards to race relations, and it was in some ways good, but it lacked the clarity and did not specifically name CRT. CRT is the thing that's been dividing everybody, and it's going to continue to divide everybody, and they could not mention it from stage. And instead, when a messenger said and pointed out the problem of Resolution 2, that it says all these godless worldviews and ideologies, but it doesn't say critical race theory, James Merritt steps up, with the incoherent, emotional, effeminate rant that made no sense whatsoever. It was actually making counterpoints to what he was trying to make. Nobody understood what he was talking about, but because the emotional way in which he did it, everybody was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he condemned that man and said, if, if we were just half as passionate about the gospel of Jesus as we are of CRT, this world would be one with a gospel in a week. And everybody, you know, got behind that. And it was, it was honestly mindless babble. It was to take away the attention from what was actually going on. Number six, we voted in Ed Linton for president, a man who openly violates the Baptist faith and message. One of these violations I just found out about this morning. The first one is that he has his wife preach with him. 
he has his wife preach with him from the stage. That violates the Baptist faith and message. I mean, we're, we're told explicitly, uh, I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. And he has his wife preach for him. Violation number one. Another violation, which is, I mean, literally mind-blowing. He had a modalist statement of faith for the Trinity on his website until somebody pointed it out and he changed it. He said, let me just read it verbatim. Here's what they said about God. This is the church that he pastors, and this is their statement of faith. God is the creator and ruler of the universe. He has eternally existed in three persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These three are co-equal parts of one God. Friends, that is a different God. Co-equal parts of one God? That is a rejection of Trinitarianism, and I kid you not, he was just voted in as president of the Southern Baptist Convention. I mean, it's comical if it wasn't so enraging. The fact that he didn't recognize that or he let that be on the website is is condemning. And, and that point alone shows that he should not be the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He also is not just sympathetic to critical race theory. He may have verbally rejected it, but he also welcomes the ideas. You can hear this from John Harris. John Harris has done a good job documenting this from Conversations That Matter podcast. You really should check that out. Number seven, there was emotionally charged pleas from women from the stage from crying women and effeminate men in attempts to win the room. I also want to include the messenger microphones. Several occasions, weeping women were brought up to make a point to the congregation, and then one weeping woman from the stage, like I just said, was there to, to use her tears to win an argument to get the resolution to pass. It was terrible. When men get up and... And it's just incoherent babble, and it's emotional appeal, and he doesn't actually speak to what needs to be spoken to. That's an effeminate man, and that's what James Merritt did. It was very, very sad. I keep saying the word sad, but I just keep got to say it. I just have to say it over and over again. Number eight, Nam corruption is so deep that Kevin Azell could not answer basic questions. Kevin Azell was sweating bullets because he was on the stage and was being asked about several things that were happening, the Supreme Court decision that's coming up, I think yesterday or today, and also the fact that we could not get basic financial questions answered from him, and he was just sweating bullets, and it was all smoke and mirrors game. He got to sit back down, didn't have to answer anything, and it was just pushed through quickly, and no answers were given. And so finally, the worst thing, Bill Askell, Tom Askell's brother, made a resolution to abolish all abortion. He read a 1971 resolution that stated it was a it was a pro-choice statement from the Southern Baptist Convention, and then after reading that pro-choice statement from the Southern Baptist Convention, pro-choice resolution, he said that the Southern Baptist Convention has never actually outright or made a resolution to abolish all abortion immediately. Stop it now. Well, this should be a win. But as you know, some of the pro-life movement, most of the pro-life movement doesn't actually want to abolish abortion. They want the battle to continue. They don't want it abolished. They want it regulated. And biblically, we know this. If you think about it, and if you just hear this, you should be, I'm telling you, if you don't agree with this, you're wrong. If you want to regulate murder, you are wrong. And everyone in that room who is an incrementalist, they are wrong to not aim for the abolition right now of all abortion. And they are not aiming for it. They can't even say it. They want the battle to continue. One man from the ERLC stood up saying he was totally pro-life, but can't 
say end abortion now. They can't say abortion needs to be abolished because they want to keep regulating it. They don't want it actually abolished. And the Southern Baptist Convention could not, could not affirm a resolution to say abortion needs to be stopped right now. In that moment, I broke. That's it. I can't, I cannot give my dollars to this. It's ridiculous. And so now our elders are having to make some really big decisions really quickly. We will not give money to entities that will not answer back what they're doing with the money. We will not give money, and we don't want to be associated with people, for goodness sake, that can't say end abortion right this instant, that can't be a prophetic voice in a wicked world because over and over again, as J.D. Greer said and others said, the world is watching, and I saw Owen Strand say this in a, in a tweet. It's very good. I was thinking this as it was being said. Who cares if the world is watching? God is watching. But we care more about, the denomination cares more about what the New York Times thinks and what the world thinks than what God thinks. And that was evident. Final thing, I put other stuff too. The other stuff too is that we so want to appeal. There's lights, screens, mirrors. The whole thing was a rock show. It was sad. You can't come together and just sing together. You have to come and hear a performance. And that is just a side annoying point. Guys, these are several things. There's a whole lot more. That's why I said other stuff, too. There's a whole lot more that we could talk about. There was very little to commend at the Southern Baptist Convention that I saw. Very little. It was so clear. There was distrust from both sides of the aisle towards the stage. Nobody trusted the people that were on the stage. And when nobody trusts the people on the stage and people don't trust each other, friends, I hate to say this, but I cannot see the Southern Baptist Convention staying and not splitting sometime this year. We can pray for it to be otherwise, but sometimes... A church split isn't a bad thing. Sometimes a denomination split isn't a bad thing. The Church of Christ keeps marching forward, and there's going to be some who are ashamed of their Heavenly Father's voice. They're ashamed of the Word of God, and there's going to be some, many of them are going to have to walk away from the convention. They're the ones that are seeking the glory that comes from God, and they are going to be okay. I hope this has been helpful, informative. Please reach out to me if you think, nah, man, you really missed it on this. Uh, Well, let me know. Let's talk about it. Uh, Subscribe, please share, and spread the word about the podcast. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.